This is the MDRT Podcast. Part of being an advisor is always learning and improving your practice and client service. During a recent conversation at MDRT headquarters, Michaela Scott, Andover, Massachusetts. Brent Kimball, Concord, New Hampshire. Rick Jones, Vancouver, British Columbia. Pre Atwal Solihull in England. We're asked to name lessons they wish they discovered earlier. How expensive divorces. Not only how devastating and impactful it is to people as human beings and particularly children, but particularly in the United States, how the system is set up that you can't really go through a divorce without attorneys, and they're the only ones that win. And I've had a, one client, he's now in Florida, who's a very, very successful entrepreneur, that we've luckily had to dip into his retirement before he retired, before he was even of age to take it, and pay off attorneys and alimony payments and whatnot, and twice we've gone from safer accounts to more aggressive and it's worked out, but we could have not been lucky and it gone the other way, and he thanks me continually. How does that impact the way you do your job? So as an advisor, as it relates to divorces, there's a lot of things that you do. First of all, I've had a lot of clients who've been single up until they're 40 who have amassed larger states, and I insist that they go see an attorney and get a prenup. It doesn't always work. I've had some of the spouses-to-be say, well, if we're getting a prenup, then we're not getting married, and hopefully they would not get married, but in some cases they have, and it's come back to actually haunt them. And I've had others who have gone and got the prenup, and actually I think it makes the relationship better, not just financially, but in terms of feeling relaxed with each other. The other ways I've dealt with it is if someone's already married is I make sure that the first recommendation I give to every client is that they have really good estate planning done and I actually go to the meeting with them if they want me to, and usually they do, whether they're using their estate tax attorney or one that I recommend to make sure they have all of the stuff in place, particularly nowadays where there's so many blended families. And then I guess the third thing I do is when divorces do happen, that I let the clients know that both of them still continue to work with me with confidentiality. That has worked in some cases, but in most cases, one of the two would feel more comfortable with another advisor. So those are the challenges. Something I wish I knew sooner. It actually was advice given to me, like most people who are MDRT members, go to the meetings, have mentors from the MDRT family and community. You are told so many great things when you start to set you on the right track, the right foundation. And I was told that we have a privileged career in that we're in our clients' heads, their hearts, their medicine cabinets, their wallets. It's something to not take lightly, and it's really humbling. And I got that, you know, a little bit. And then as you mature, and I've gone to my first funeral of a client, and that is when I got it. When I went there and I thought, did I do everything I could in those areas? Was I as comprehensive as I could have been? is everything buttoned up. And the thought in my head was, I want all of my clients to pass this funeral test, whether they're before retirement, during retirement. I mean, we are all going to pass away sometime. It's gonna be before or after retirement. And looking at it from the perspective of, does this client believe I'm doing more for them than I actually am? And if so, how can I refer them? How can I cross sell? How can I introduce them to someone to make sure that part that they think I'm doing is taken care of? I don't want someone I'm doing retirement planning for to say, oh, if we needed life insurance, Michaela would have told me, and then them not have it, and vice versa. If I sell them life insurance, oh, if if 
we needed to save more, Michaela would have told us, and then they retire, and I'm like, I wasn't doing that for you. So defining that scope of engagement on what areas I'm touching with the client and making sure that they're covered is really, really important to me now. And I use that with centers of influence. I'll ask, what clients do you need to pass the funeral test? Is it your neighbor? Is it your friend? Is it this client? Let's button them up. I mean, and you sit on the client side of the table, and sometimes it's you that does the work, sometimes it's not, but it is a relief to me to know that they don't believe I'm doing more than what I actually am doing. In terms of what you do differently, is it just asking more questions? Yeah, so I wish I took that approach more seriously when I started because, of course, you're excited to do business. Sometimes you're in and out, and it can be transactional. If you're referred in to do life insurance, that's what you're going to touch, and you don't want to rock the boat with clients. And now it's more, this is my responsibility. I believe it's my responsibility, so I'm going to ask you these questions, and it's because I'm a professional. I think it comes from confidence as well to know that you're entitled to ask those questions of a client. You do need to know about their health. You do need to know about what's in their heart and what they're passionate about. If a kid gets in trouble, are they going to spend all their money or are they going to be more restrictive and stick to a plan? I mean, I don't know, but these are questions I ask now and the clients respect it and it comes from a place of learning confidence. I heard those words, but I wish I lived it more quickly in my career. I think something that I wish I had taken to heart more earlier, but I have probably in the last 12, 13 years, was to ask the questions and shut up. What I used to do was I would ask the questions and then answer them because I was the guy who knew the answers. But the problem was they were my answers and that didn't matter. So it was actually, I think it's right around the time where I started really making core to the table and then top of the table was just ask the questions and be quiet. And it's an amazing thing. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what they want to do. Yeah, on myself, the biggest thing I've probably learned is just to relax. Moving on from your point, Rick, relax in the meeting. And remember, you're there to help them. I often, in the car journey to an appointment, just breathe in for five minutes and think, okay, I'm here to help them. It's not about X amount of commission or fees or this you can get in such a rat race of starting to think about money just to breathe in and relax no 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 I'm coming as a professional financial advisor to sit with you as a client and I'm going to help you so just walk in relax and listen so that's one of the biggest points the other big game changer for me was instead of going down that word of uh, being transactional is focusing more on where are you heading Mr or Mrs Klein in the next few years a three-year or a five-year goal and getting them to answer that. They often find that very uncomfortable because there's not many people on the planet who'll actually ask you that question, including your friends. But on answering that question, it'll get a better understanding on ensuring my firm and my team work closer for the client's goals. And just be more confident. I 100% do think that being around MDRT members, learning MDRT information does give you more confidence uh, with the clients. And I think that's uh, with confidence. How has your style changed when it comes to relaxing? And how do you see the effect on the client? Relaxing is uh, making sure you're in charge of the mean. So with myself particularly, it goes at the pace that I dictate. So if I look walk into a client's room and there's stress, 
I'll just slow down and I'll just go with the place and I'll let them naturally calm down. So if they're, you know, I'll, I'll let them organise the drinks and I'll just wait until they're ready to relax. And, and actually it's taken 30 or 40 minutes sometimes for a client to relax. So learning to ask the question at the right time. So for example, my three-year goal question. If you ask a question like that when someone's very, very technical and very, very fast, and very stressed about certain issues that have occurred during the day, you'll get a very quick short answer. Just wait and just listen them out. How has your day been? What's going on? What's in your world? That's my view on it. I think for me, relaxation has come during the process, not just the meetings, but how you follow up as an advisor. Once you stop caring about yourself and and the results and how quickly it will get done, and you can get on track to pace the client, it also gives you the freedom and confidence and relaxation to create a sense of urgency for the client and to help them set goals because they understand you're on their side. So if I leave a meeting and I'm thinking, they really have to save. They're spending this money on something they are going to regret. I need to encourage the client to have a sense of urgency about changing this, and I need them to not put it off. Whereas before, I would be like, can I call them yet? You know, it's been a week. Oh, no, what if I send this email? And it comes from the heart, and generally it ends in the right place. So I think the relaxation after the meeting and just getting on that page with the client, it's so much confidence, and I can say MDRT gives you that confidence. So that's been important to me. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at MDRT Podcast. We'll see you next time.